Hello, I'm your host, Leonard Duncan. Welcome to a new episode of ATV Talk and Motorsports Podcast. Please join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We bring you interviews with industry professionals, live events, live news about the motorsports industry in every episode. Enjoy the show. Whether we are out riding with our friends and family or racing in extreme environments, we all need good tires. That's why I recommend GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Greenball Corp. Their products, which include XC Master, Mini Master, and Groundbuster 3, are what leading professionals in the ATV UTV industry are using. You can get your tires at greenballtires.com or find them on Instagram as GBC Tires for further inquiries. Brandon Ho, welcome to ATV Talk, brother. How are you? Good, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, dude, my pleasure. It's my pleasure. You guys are the ones doing all the hard work. I get to sit and watch. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I know you're a big ATV fan and stuff, so it's cool to see how much you get into it and how much you, you know, how much time and stuff you put in to talk to all of us. So it's it's cool to see. Well, you, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I've gotten to to do it from your side. And I've gotten to do it from like Mark Notman's side where you're the mechanic and doing it from this side is, is uh, almost more fun. Really? Uh, yeah. Because I, I don't have to pick a side. I yeah. get to be, I get to be everybody's fan and, and it doesn't matter. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. But Hey, I know that you came out West. Um, you didn't really, you didn't really care for the tires much, um, but you got a chance to see what a works race was like, and uh, you know, you you had a you had a, an issue go on there. Um, you can get into that or not, but um, you got a new program. That's what I'm hearing, and and I want all the details. Yeah. Yeah, so real quick, I'll touch on the works race. Uh, I'm a big fan. I really like the way that that stuff is laid out. I kind of like the longer racing too. Um, and I don't know, I'm sure it's different track to track and stuff, but I did really like that track in uh, Nevada. I forget that town or whatever it is. But anyway, yeah, I really did like There's Prim. Yeah, um, I liked it a lot. Um, I did have an engine failure, but it was just from a, an engine plug coming out of the motor. So I lost the oil, but I didn't know it when I was riding at the time. Unfortunately it happened right away, but yeah, I really do like that stuff. Like I want to try to do another one for sure. Uh, we did talk about it. So yeah, I mean, that was something totally different compared to doing like a 20 minute moto on, uh, the ATV motocross national side stuff. So the pace is a little different. The intensity is a little different and, honestly just the environment's different too like i talked to bo baron on the day before and like he's just such a cool guy like i think i was asking him like you got any tips you know for a new guy racing this type of stuff and he was he's just a really cool guy to talk to so yeah i loved everyone there like the the people even signing me up were super nice so the work stuff is for sure a really good place to go race um and then, yeah, like we just touched on, I do have a 
a new program. Um, I have a new boss and a whole new team, new uh, machine, all that stuff, which is really awesome. Um, I'm super excited for it. I switched to Yamaha and uh, Luke is the guy that I ride for. We have like, I think our name for this team is going to be Westland Motorsports, but it's just his company. Um, Hetrick Racing is involved building the chassis and stuff. Um, TDR Motorsports engine package and PEP shocks. Wayne is helping me a lot. Um, Walsh. I mean, it's a super cool program. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how 2023 goes um, starting off on this thing. So how much time have you got on the new machine? Uh, right now, I'd, I'd roughly estimate about 10 hours. Uh, I've rode, I rode quite a bit in PA and then uh, we just did the Nevada thing. And then I've had about maybe four to five really good days here in Florida on it. So starting to, starting to collect the hours. I know you rode a Yamaha, what, a little over a year ago? Yeah, I, I rode a Yamaha in 2021, um, like half of the year, um, which, so it's not like it's totally unfamiliar for me, but this stuff is a little different with uh, the rear end is a little different chat or uh, component wise. But yeah, I mean, I've rode them before. Um, I just never had the, t the chance to practice on one also. So I would just, I used to race it and then I'd practice on a Honda, but now I can finally fully commit to the Yamaha. That's awesome. So most of the guys that have switched from Hondas to Yamahas, Joel being one of the, the big name guys, he adapted pretty fast. Yeah. What are you thinking? Is it, is it that easy of a transition? Yeah, actually, if you would have asked me this a week ago, I would have said no, but now <laughs> that I just had two really good days of riding, it is, it is actually a lot easier than I would have thought. Um, like, it's kind of funny how, how I change on that, but like a couple of weeks ago, I was like, man, you know, it is a pretty big change, but honestly I can ride it. Like I can ride my Honda. It's just, there's also benefits now to this bike, like full transparency. I, I absolutely love the Yamaha now. Uh, like I've been a diehard Honda guy, but the, now that I can ride it that way, like you realize you can ride them just like a Honda anyway. And then on top of that, there's also ways you can ride this bike that you can't really ride the Honda, if that makes sense. So I actually, I called Luke yesterday and I was like, like a kid at Christmas, you know, like I'm, I'm really in love with the Yamaha now. Uh, I never thought I would actually say that, but I will never go back to Honda. Wow. That's a yeah. bold statement right there, buddy. I know, I know it. I know it. And I've, in the past, I've actually said on video that I would never go to Yamaha. So I guess I'm a hypocrite, but <laughs> uh, I mean, these bikes are really nice for sure. When you uh, talked to Luke, what was the biggest thing that you're, you're so happy about? Uh, the rear ends. So like, I actually really thought it was overhyped, but you know, we're running a really good linkage setup in the, the wall stuff and the front end is it's LTR. So I know the way that it already turns. Um, yeah, there's like a different balance to the bike, but 
the traction that you get out of this thing, like you can put the rear end wherever you want it and you can get on the gas. And most of the time you have like already forward traction. You know, if you leave tires the same, you leave everything the same, like at least in the ruts, I'm riding a sand track, so it is kind of biased, but I literally will tell you this thing works. I think night and day better than my Honda. Nice. So when you go out and ride, do you have somebody there taking lap times or are you just out seat of the pants, riding it, getting familiar? Yeah, I have, I have, um, like right now it's more of just riding the bike, but when it gets closer to the season, I have everything pretty much GPS. So like I, I keep track of all the stuff myself, um, with my watch and my Strava data and stuff. So I don't really have someone on the track telling that for me, but every lap I do, I log and I can tell, you know, if there's, even if there's areas on the track where I'm better at, or I'm worse at, um, like I, I have a pretty, pretty sick, uh, layout after I get done riding that I can look at. Elaborate a little bit for me. I've seen a little bit of the Strava stuff for mountain bikes, but does it keep track of your physical track? Yeah. So the way I have it set up, I can make segments on the track and then I can sync it. Um, so I could do like, you know, say if I wanted a segment of being half of the track, every time I do that part of the track, it'll lap that segment. And then when you go into a desktop Strava, you can actually click play. You can watch yourself. You can see your heart rate data on that part of the track. Uh, it'll time it for you. Like you have to make the segments and stuff. So most tracks actually already do kind of have a segment made unless they've changed it, but I make the segments myself and then I can go in on a desktop. And like I said, literally you can visually watch the GPS of where you are and all that stuff. It's a lot like a lit pro device, except I just do it with my, my Strava data. And being in Florida, the weather conditions are good for you yeah uh it's been really nice here it is going to get cold next week but i think the like the whole u.s is going to get cold but yeah it's it's good weather here uh like 60s 70s most of the time here in the winter what's cold in florida uh i think we got 38 coming in a few days yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's crazy stuff right there, brother. Um, especially for Florida, you know, it's in the thirties here. I'm in Southern California, not all the way at the tip, but, but pretty far down. And, and, you know, we have good weather almost all year round, but in the morning, sometimes you get frost on the windows and it's a little cold. I I know, I know the people back East are freaking, you know, calling me a sissy right now and it's okay. I am. I don't like the cold. I hate the cold. You know, it, it, yeah, I'm from Nebraska and, and that's like, I mean, right now up there, it's like 20 or something, but yeah, they got snow coming and all that stuff. And I've never been a fan, even though I'm from there, I absolutely hate it. You're a corn husker. Yeah. I'm a corn husker. All right, brother. I'm a huge fan. Oh, really? Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm really disappointed in the way they're running their program. Absolutely. You know, I want them to go back to the to to, to when they were winning. Yeah, know? awesome. Yeah. It, it would be. Uh, they have a they have a a long legacy of building great football teams. So hopefully they can get back. Yeah, I think 
once they figure the coaching stuff out a little bit, hopefully they can. Yeah, you know, but it's hard to beat Alabama, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I know it. <laughs> well, that's enough about football. Um, did you change all your whole package, your tires, shocks, everything when you went to the Yamaha? Nope, I'm staying on Kenda. I really do like the Kendas. This will be my second year on them. Um, and I stayed with Wayne with PEP. I really like the PEPs a lot and just having Wayne's feedback every single time I ride, I'll usually send him film or, you know, just pick his, his head on what I'm feeling. Um, and, and we've kind of like, we, we work pretty good together. Um, so I left all that and I'm sticking with Walsh. So most of the stuff is pretty much all the same as far as components wise. Wayne is a pretty smart dude, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's definitely intelligent for sure. Like he'll tell me if I'm full of crap or not, you know. <laughs> uh, Wayne Wayne's always been real good to me, and and he, like I like you said, he just freaking lays it out how he sees it, man. There's no yep. there's no sugarcoating it. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, I, I really like that though, like. He, uh, I mean, the first time we kind of got together was last year at Three Palms. I didn't even know what he looked like or nothing, but, uh, I mean, we really hit it off from the start. Like, I don't know why he still kind of likes me a little bit, but it's cool. I mean, it's cool to have his backing and he was all, all in on me. Um, like he firmly believes that I have what it takes to keep, keep going. So like having that feeling with him is really cool. And I always try to thank him when I can and always text him after every race. And just, I really do appreciate that a lot, you know, that uh, having that kind of support out of a shot guy or any guy in your corner is um, amazing. Uh, belief. Uh, when I was a mechanic, having a belief in a rider and, and passing that on to him always gave them a sense of, uh, security and, and they perform better. It feels amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think that goes along with anything that you do, you know, yeah. from building houses to uh, whatever you're doing. If, if the people that you're doing it for believe in you, you're going to perform. Yeah. I had that a lot with the team I was with last year. Like musics were really good about that. They always believed in me. And even when I had a, like, you know, some finishes I had were pretty just not where we, we thought I would be at. And they were, no matter what, were like really supportive of it. And that just feels really good. Like, cause I don't, you know, I don't have like a, I mean, not to get into it, but I just don't have a, a mom or a dad or someone really close to me telling me that I'm doing good. So like when, when I have someone that I really trust or involved, tell me that stuff, it goes a long way. So you're carrying a lot of this burden on your own. Well, I mean, just, yeah, like, like I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it really. Just racing is definitely different to me than my, like most of my family. And so it's just the way it had to be, but I, I don't know. I don't have any input from a, a family side, you know, which I don't, I don't mind it. Like I actually really don't, it's not hard or anything on me. It's just, I do see sometimes I wish that like I was in a racing family, you know, to have like a, you know, I don't know. It, it's, I, it's I understand a, what you're saying. I understand what yeah. you're saying. It's, it's okay. Touchy, but I have people that 
pick up in that area, you know? So that's why when I have someone like Wayne or just someone that uh, does care a lot, like I, it means a lot, you know? That's, that's perfect. That's really good. Um, having Hetrick involved, um, how is, is, how's the dynamic with Joel's dad being on, on your team and you're racing against his son? Yeah. I mean, it's not, it doesn't, I know it sounds kind of like, oh, but it's, it's actually really cool. Uh, me and Rich go way back before, like I I've lived with him in Texas and stuff. And same with Michelle. I used to live at Michelle's, uh, like I lived in Joel's bedroom when (laughs) in the off season one year and kind of like worked out of the shop and stuff. So we, we go way back, but, um, Rich is awesome. Like he, you know, the way we talked about it was, uh, like we, you know, he kind of mentioned, I'm going to be on a really good bike. And if I'm, you know, we're going to go try to win. It doesn't matter who we're racing against. So I like that a lot. Um, even though obviously I'm racing Joel, it's still the same. Like we're still trying to go succeed. So, and they're not going to, you know, they don't ever hold me back on anything. So it's, it's a good relationship. Yeah. that And you and Joel are pretty close too, as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Joel, also go way back but yeah we we talk almost every day on the phone um we do he's doing my off the bike training together with me so we we train together and yeah we have pretty much daily contact that's 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 good in a sense uh let me ask you this you you know joel pretty well if you go out this year and you start beating him is that relationship going to stay the same yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, we we're not like like I it's hard to this is kind of funny. I mean, the way I am, right? I I love like I would be best friends with my biggest competitor, but obviously you know how it goes when you put the helmet on, it's it's game time, all that stuff. But like for me, I, I love competitiveness. So um me and him kind of have that relationship, like I think he, you know, he always asks me what I'm doing and we kind of have a competitive relationship, but for me, like, I don't know if I beat the guy and, and he doesn't want to be friends with me because of that, you know, maybe we weren't as close as I thought. Like to me, if I get beat by someone, I have, you know, I have respect for him. Like I, I'm not going to be that guy. That's, you know, obviously I want to go beat him, but. I, I can be friends with everybody if that makes sense. I don't think I don't think that he's that way. I think that he would just try harder to to compete yeah. or beat you. You know, that's- yeah. At Daytona, when I blew up in front of him, like I think he was one of the first guys to like hug me and tell me I had that race, and he was just, you know, I was like crying in my pickup, and he was like almost crying with me, like that tells you a lot about a character, you know? And that's why, that's why we're as close as we are. Like I got that guy's back no matter what. And he has my back. Like, you know, when racing's done, we're going to be friends and it's a, it's a really cool relationship. He did tell me that he was yes, wanting to pass you, but so excited that it looked like you were going to win the race. And he said it ripped his heart out when the, when you had the failure you know yeah yeah i don't know man that was a crazy crazy deal for sure and i wish 
obviously we could go back and things could have been different, but I don't know. That was the deep, like a, just a heartbreaker. Cause at the time, obviously you feel like, like I just wanted to get a, I really wanted red plates and I wanted a career win and all that stuff. Even if it's Daytona, I don't care. So it just sucks that it happened that way, but it'd be cool to add that to like a big long list of, you know, things that I've had to overcome if one day I can turn that ship around, you know? Well, you're in that group of guys that are catching Joel and Chad. Mm -hmm. And when I say catching, when I first started really paying attention, there was a gap between everybody. There was Joel and Chad and then a gap. Yeah. Now the gap is much, much smaller. Yeah. Because you have guys like you and Max Lindquist and Ford, you know, and Janusa and Restrelli all filling those places. Yeah. And you guys are all pushing each other and all of your programs are getting better and better. Yeah. So I know you're all on Yamaha's, which kind of breaks my heart, but I get, you know, I'm happy and brokenhearted all at the same time because all I've been working on the last few days is Yamaha's. So, <laughs> really? you know, yeah, it, it, it happens, you know, I mean, even the, you can focus your whole deal on Hondas, but you have to work on Yamaha's because yeah. there's so many of them. And uh, even the customer base rides Yamaha's. Yeah. I, it, that's kind of funny. You mentioned that because I've had to start learning how to even take them apart. Like I've never pulled an engine out of a Yamaha. So that's all new to me as well. The first time is like pain in the ass, isn't it? Yeah. There's it's, it's not as easy as just pulling the carb off. Like there's a lot more things. I mean, a TRX is as basic as it gets, I think, you know? So. Yeah. And once you get the Yamaha down, it's pretty fast. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah. You, you, you figure out the little nuances and bang, bang, bang. And it, and it fall, it hits the ground just as fast as the Honda does. Um, and some of the guys I think have pulling the Yamaha down even faster than the Honda. Yeah. Yeah. I, I listen to those stories. Those are, you know, some of the guys that practice it and, and work on more Yamahas than I do. And I'm thinking, yeah, I don't know if I can do it that fast. That's, that's pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. They're pretty good. Yeah. You know, I like talking to to the different guys like Mark Notman, you know, and and he has some pretty good stories. And and, uh, you know, they. Michael Bird, you know, the, these guys, Casey, all of them have. Different. Information that, you know, because I'm so focused on what I do. I never think about what anybody else does. Yeah. And when I get to talk to them, I'm like, well, I never looked at it from that perspective before, or, or I didn't know about that nuance. And it, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. I, I like Michael Burr is a kind of a good example. I really would like to talk to that guy about just his prep and all that stuff. Cause he's uh, I know he did Chad stuff and, I can tell, you know, if Chad trusts him, I'm sure he's very, very good with what he does. And if Mark Baldwin trusts him, he's got to be pretty good too, right? right. 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, these guys, I'm a little bummed that I'm on the West Coast and never got, I mean, I, I had to go back there and do it on the East. And I was part of that, but it was before. Yeah. You know, I mean, we were still riding two strokes. Um, and I, I almost feel that I missed a, a, a portion of it. Now I'm a little older and don't think I really want to go toe to toe with those guys. Cause it's it, it, at 56, I don't know if I'm spry enough to, uh, to do battle with them. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you young guys, you young guys, guys are moving pretty fast nowadays. So when you go train on the bike, do you just do motos or are you looking for a specific rough portion of the course to work on to increase your speed? So I have, I'll put it this way. So like starting off, I have an overhanging plan from day one all the way to like mid season. And so in an off season, I always would start off with, with pretty much no motos at all. I progressed my laps. So say very first day of an off season of riding all, you know, maybe it's, it's two laps at the most, and then it'll progress. The fitter you get, the faster you go, all this stuff progresses to motos. Um, but for me, like I'll have days planned. So if it's a long day, for example, then yeah, we're going to do motos. Um, if it's, if it's a day where I feel like we need to work on speed and the track's good and the, the bike's good, your tires are good, all the stuff that really matters for going extremely fast. If all of that is good, like that's obviously going to be a day where I try to learn, you know, the next edge, I guess you could say. But yeah, I have an overhanging plan. I mean, I, I take stuff into like training data because I use lactate and I use different stuff that I feel like one day will kind of be an edge uh just because i feel like motocross is kind of behind on that stuff but for example if you go off early in the season and you're doing motos say in december um well you probably have no base fitness already to begin with so the training that you do you, you don't really absorb like i want to absorb what i do so if if i try to go do a 30 minute moto right now with the fitness level i have i could do it it'll you know be a suffer fest you know but I actually need to absorb what I'm doing so then I can do it tomorrow and then the next day and then next week. And then I can get better if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I'm a big science guy with lactate. Like I, I do stuff off lactate pretty much only. Um, like, so I know when I ride, if I'm doing a moto when I'm really out of shape, I'm, I'm really accumulating a lot of lactate. I'll be somewhere around like 10 millimolar plus. And you can't get much fitness growth from stuff like that. Um, you need to have a good aerobic base built before you start doing 20s and 25s or anything like that. So call me call me kind of geeky, but I do stuff kind of different. But I really hope that one day, like say, it'd be cool if I'm winning races that I could show all this stuff and be like, well, this is, you know, this is a different approach than just the basic. Today, we're going to go do motos, you know, like it's good to have a plan before you just go ride, you know, where did you pick up this knowledge? Uh, I just have a huge, like 
outside of racing, huge passion for endurance training. So I, I have a research gate account. Um, and I just, most of my time, if I'm not riding or working or something, I'm looking at research gate and talking to like professors like Steven Seiler and this guy, Alan, just a bunch of people about endurance training, uh, strength training, adaptation, all this stuff with exercise. Um, and then I also train a lot of people that are involved in endurance sports, but yeah, I just have a huge passion for it. Um, I can't go to college because I race obviously, but when I'm done racing, I would like to get an education there so I could, you know, be more credible, but for now it'll do. Uh, I just, I use what they tell me and I use a lot of the studies published and stuff and kind of approach it in a more science way. That's, that's pretty intriguing. Do you, do you do blood work? Yeah. Yeah, I do regular, um, to make sure I have optimal hormones. I, that's funny. You mentioned blood work because I also have a big like passion for endocrinology. So I can look at someone's blood work and I'm not an endocrinologist, so I'm not going to ever recommend things, but I can look at someone's blood work and, and know a lot about, you know, if I, if they should have something supplementing there. I do know a lot about blood work, but yeah, I do blood work uh, like four times a year. So not, not a ton, but I just make sure testosterone's good. I check hematocrit, uh, cause I cut weight too. So when you cut weight, your hematocrit can drop and we don't want that. Like we want as much red blood cells as possible. So yeah, dude, it's, it's a big science that I get into, but it'd be cool to win and like have it all work out. Do you know blood doping like they do in the bicycle racing? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think sure. that is that illegal in ATVA or yeah, ATV when, motocross? Yeah, when we signed the AMA Pro racing, we we signed that we could get drug tested and stuff. It is through I think it's through USADA now, but um yeah, I mean if we never do get tested, but if we were to get tested, everything that is on the USADA panel, we would get tested for. But we, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think we've ever been tested, to be honest with you. I know the dirt bike guys do. Like, I've actually been at a race and watched uh, Justin Barsha have to pee in front of the USADA guys. So I know they do, but for us, we don't. Well, blood doping, isn't it just taking taking blood that's oxygenated and putting it into your system? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. And how do they, how would they catch that? So because of, if you take a hematocrit reading, what they do now with USADA, it's called uh, the, the athlete biological passport, I believe. So what they'll do is they'll take your normal, or they call it your baseline hematocrit readings. And if they pulled your, like say they drug tested you after an event and you had a, a red flag on a hematocrit level, that'll come up from blood doping. Um, because if you, you know, say you have a, area of like uh 50 for example and you get tested and it comes up like 58 they're gonna look into that and be like wait why is this you know why is this 58 and you'll probably get popped for that that's how it's really hard to test for it but that's how the testing is now um they do baseline tests and then they'll you know they'll obviously see if there's a red flag somewhere you also mentioned you cut weight what what's the purpose of cutting weight yeah i don't i don't cut much weight but there is some definitely some data that suggests 
being a little bit on the leaner side for this sport would be good. Uh, one, you can tolerate heat really well. Uh, two, it's not a power to weight sport, but um, I will say if you walk up a flight of stairs and then you walk up a flight of stairs 10 pounds less, it's like it's like a bodybuilder, for example. Like if you are if you are a bigger guy, um, I'll tell you right now, there's a lot more oxygen you're going to need to use. So in a pro race for 25 minutes, it's not going to be ideal. Uh, yeah, you might be stronger, but this is more of an endurance sport. It, believe it or not. I mean, a lot of people don't believe that, but uh, our heart rates are maxed the entire time, at least for what we do. So cutting weight, um, it can help with that. Like if when I'm 158 pounds compared to 148 pounds, I feel a difference when I'm riding. So uh yeah i mean you don't you can't get too lean there's obviously a fine line there but when my bench gets lower my squat gets lower deadlift gets lower i actually can ride better at the final laps of a 20 minute moto so you know there's arguments to be made on both sides there so when you're lifting less weight so you have yep. less bulk yep. you are faster at the end of the moto where you, I, I can talk to some specific guys that want to be stronger because they feel they're faster at the end than the li- than the, than the latter. They don't want to do a lot of weights. Don't get me wrong, but they still yeah. want to feel strong. Correct. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, I've gotten into it with not into it, but just we've had debates for sure. Even with like me and Joel talk about it a lot because he trusts me to do his training and stuff and. You know, we've made it very clear if there's an area that he thinks differently, then we're going to address it. But the strength, the strength side, I would have an athlete strength train on top of the endurance training, especially if they're already lean or already very skinny and doesn't have a good strength base. But if you have a strength base already built in, like, you know, say you can squat 1.5 times body weight, you know, if you have a relatively decent strength level i usually would never say your strength is the problem it's always going to come down to more endurance at least for pro level now this is totally different for a five lap race and stuff like that but for the pro level you know if i'm i would not want to have an athlete that's i wouldn't say bulk you know maybe you're having a bulkier guy i would rather have a guy that's leaner that we can endurance train heavy and if he needs to work on strength we would but endurance is seriously, uh, I think it's under, you know, underrated as far as the training that you need to do for this stuff. Let me ask you this question. So you, you lose some weight uh, or cut weight and does it affect your prolonged energy? Um, no. So when, I would say, okay, I've done both. I've actually done yes to where I, I, I got very, very lean and it didn't really affect me on the quad negatively, but it, it'll affect everything else. Like you're, you know, you don't even want to walk around the house or anything like that. Your RMR drops, all these things drop and that's not optimal, but I'm talking somewhere around eight to 12% body fat area, anything under 8%, you're kind of the fine line, but, um, you know, if you, if you do it the right way, you don't cut weight too fast, all that stuff. Usually, you know, I, I would, 
I would say you shouldn't have issues, but when you do it the wrong way, if you cut weight too fast, there's definitely downsides, especially with blood work. If you got blood work done while cutting weight, you'll see that. You'll see that your testosterone drops pretty much hypogonadal, you know? Uh, that's actually why I got blood work done the first time or a few years ago. I mean, I was fully hypogonadal at, at 20 years old. Like, that's insane. But then when you kind of look into the data on really elite athletes that aren't doping, that aren't taking TRT, anything like that, they're all hypogonadal. So that is just a consequence of like high level or high volume training. Um, but then I kind of found out being a, about three pounds heavier, my test can come up 200 points. I feel a little bit better. So like I said, there's a fine line for sure. So I was training in 2017 when I was a little bit younger for a Spartan race. Okay. And I got to a point. I was, I was, I changed my diet. I was cycling. I was circuit training and I was running. And what, what happened? I, I had never been to this level of condition before, but it, when I work out, even now, there's always a moment of, 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 uh, physical strain to get an air yeah. like in the beginning, you know? and I got to a point where I didn't have that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I wasn't tired. Yeah. It, it, is that what you're trying to achieve all the yeah. time? Yep. Yep. So like when I get really fit, you know, this, this sport is a little different because it's not like that. It's not like a, a running race or something where we can just tell how fit you are. So this sport obviously is skill-based, but yes, what you're saying, I would love, you know, I try to get to a point to where when I'm riding, you're never, you know, there's heart rate zones and stuff, but you're never like exceeding threshold when I ride. Like that would be the ideal scenario. Threshold meaning I could still focus on everything I'm doing. Like when you're really close to heart rate max, you can't focus that much. Your mental capacity is zapped. Like you know, you can still race. Like, it's not like you're going to pull over, but if there's a guy behind you, that's well below heart rate max, who can really focus on lines, really focus on how I'm going to pass you all this stuff. That is the goal with me. Like I'm trying to tell it like, you know, I'd rather you be breathing good in really good shape. So when the time comes, say the two lap board comes out in the pro moto and I'm battling Joel Hetrick, like that's where it really is going to matter in a career. Um, and it comes down to endurance. It comes down to like what you just said. I'm not going to be gasping for air, heart rate max, all this stuff to where hopefully the other guy is, um, he might make a mistake, something like that. And then, you know, I capitalize and, and you know what I mean? I do. I totally get it. I mean, I was riding mountain bikes with Doug Eichner, the energizer buddy. I mean, this is the guy that when he would race, at the end of the race, his lap times were faster than the beginning. And he didn't have the high level of training. It was just something in his makeup that he didn't get tired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we would go riding mountain bikes. When we first started riding together, it was all I could do to ride with him or stay in front of him. Yeah. When I was at that level, it wasn't a contest. Yeah. yeah. I never got tired. I just freaking yeah. motored the whole Isn't time. It amazing? 
Yeah, dude. But the work it took to get there. Oh yeah. It was five days a week, maybe six days a week and, and two or three hours a day. I mean, it was monitoring food, everything. Yeah. See, that's, that's actually the right way to do it. Like volume is like when it comes to training volume is, I call it volume is king, but volume is a lot to do with it and consistency. Like we train, I track hours per week. Like you just said, sometimes, sometimes I'm having these guys train three hours of aerobic work in a day. And they're like, dude, we only raced for 20 minutes, but that, that's not the point. You know, we're trying to get adaptation for racing. So it, yeah, there's a ton of hard work that has to go into it to get to that level. Yeah. When I got done with that, I went with my trainer and one of the guys that he trains, they were both younger than me. They were both better physical specimens. Yeah. And I, I had to wait for them. <laughs> exactly. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Wow. They both cramped up. They had issues and I didn't. And, and uh, uh, you know, I'm not the physical specimen of my trainer. That guy is always just freaking awesome. But that day and the preparation that I made yeah. uh, with his help, obviously, um, it was phenomenal. I, I mean, no, I have never been in that kind of shape in my life and I loved it. Yeah. I just crashed on the mountain bike and broke some ribs. And <laughs> oh, once you, once I did that, it broke the cycle and I never, I could never get back. Yeah. 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 That's, that's tough to get back to, especially if something like that happens. Well, then I met my wife. And instead of training, I would go spend time with her. So, (laughs) right. (laughs) You know, yeah. You know, when you're not doing it for a living, you have other things that are, that are going on. Um, I I had another, uh, place, a direction I wanted to, to take the conversation as far as you said something about your, it's a skill sport. So let's break it down into another conversation that has nothing to do with, with your physical fitness, but, but you, you're going to bring it there. I know you are, um, horsepower. Yeah. So are we splitting hairs versus, you know, 61 horsepower versus 62 or 63 because our physical fitness is allowing us to have less horsepower and ride at a higher level? Um, how does that pl- come out or, or play out at the end of the moto? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll try to, so for the fitness side, you know, what I really love to say is if your bike dyno is 65, you better have a VO two max. <laughs> Sorry. Hang on one sec. My dog. It's okay. Stop. Hunter. If you have a, a bike dyno and over 65, you better have a VO two max over 65. Like that, that's a good way I love to look at it. But, um, yeah, I mean, my first year of pro, our bikes were also slower. And I, you know, that's something I always think about too. Is like, uh, I think, you know, horsepower now, right now in the pro class is the highest it's ever been. Like I know, I know Chad's bike rips, Joel bike rips and my bike rips, everyone's bike rips. So it is at the level to where it's like, I, I don't think anyone could get more and then hang on to it, you know, like, I, like I, it's, it's funny that I use the VO two max thing, but if I had more horsepower, like 
I would have to be more fit to hang on to it, you know? So, you know, I feel like some people have for sure too much horsepower and then they're trying to ride this bike that's pulling them everywhere. You're on the back of the bike constantly. You're going to get tight. You're going to get tired. All this stuff to where, you know, you've ever, I'm sure you may have, like, if you ride a stock quad, you feel like you're just ripping the thing because it's, you know, it's obviously much slower. So there's a fine line, I think, where, where, yeah, you need horsepower to pull a whole shot and, and not be getting pulled on straightaways but yeah if you have a too fast of a bike and i see you're out of shape like i'm gonna line up next to you and like just mentally i'm i'm already got you beat you know like that's just the way i i look at it personally which i agree with rideable usable horsepower is everything yep for sure and your physical ability physical fitness ability also determines that as well yeah oh yeah yeah that's why you know the the rider for sure matters like i i don't know i'm i'm wanting i'm wanting a lot of power where i'm at in my career but i want it to be to where i'm like all right guys this thing is way too fast we got to tune it down or something like that you know um which which we're actually almost there so you know i think I don't think that there's much more to get, especially in the pro class, unless, unless you're an animal, you know, and, and Joel is kind of like that. Like, I think Joel's TRX, one of the years you could just tell watching footage, it was not a fast quad at all. I actually know that for a fact. And he still won. The, it was the year he won the championship, I think. And it was not a high horsepower bike at all. Like, like seriously. Uh, I mean, we've had to, or he's had to increase it since then because, just the level keeps coming up a little bit, but yeah, it just was a prime example that the horsepower wasn't everything. You know, he was still really good at starts. The start technique was really good. So he never wheelied or anything, but yeah, I mean, he, he rode the heck out of a, out of a Honda when I feel like he was probably underpowered that year. And his driving through the turns or driving into the turns and out of the turns is where he was making time, you know, Yeah. If you compare it to like a works race, everybody wants to go out and race Bo with more horsepower. Yeah. And it's not, Bo isn't beating you because of horsepower. Yeah. No. He beats everybody just because when you watch their corner speed, he drives through the turn, he drives through the bump and his speed doesn't drop. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It flows really well. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that you can, you can uh, work into that. But watching you, uh, I got to watch you at Briarcliff, and unfortunately, you had a, a bad moto. Yeah. Um, but you were super fast until that happened. Yeah, and that was one of those moments to where, okay, imagine if I was a tad bit faster to where I could have passed Joel, right? Right. So say I'm fast enough to pass Joel, and it came down to the two-lap card, and I'm right. This is where everything I just told you about comes into play. Right. That's why, that's why I do what I do and like why I'm so obsessed with it, because I feel like one day there's going to be a time and a place to where maybe it comes down to this type of stuff where the two lap car comes out and maybe it's Chad or something like someone I, you know, I might have to pass Briarcliff. Like, yeah, I wasn't fast enough to pass Joel, but I was still ahead of Chad in that moto, you know? So, and if you were to put another rider in that scenario, I'm just being, 
you know, honest with you, they, they would not have been able to ride with Joel like that because I was being like fitness wise. I was on the, you know, red line and I know Joel was too. Like we had to ride extremely hard to even open the gap to third place. So I'm just saying, this is why I do all this stuff. It's, it's going to come to where maybe I'm in that position where it's going to matter. And that's why. Well, well, Joel didn't pull away from you. He had a little bit of a gap and, and that, and it stayed the same, unfortunately, till you had the, the, the motor issue, but you were matching him speed for speed. I, in, from what I was watching, I mean, you were the guy on the bike. So you had, you had a better suit. Yeah. Like I caught him actually a few laps because I had a line on him before the wall, but him being a really good guy, like rider, he, he saw the line that I was taking and the next lap he took it. So that's where the gap like kind of opened up. But early on, I actually was like, I actually was telling myself, I'm going to pass this guy, you know, but obviously that didn't work out, but yeah, man, it's just, uh, yeah, that was like a really good moto for me, but pleasure Valley, same thing. I mean, I was, I stayed with Joel and Chad the entire moto, you know, right on Joel's grab bar a lot of the times. And imagine if I was faster than them guys, that moto, like, you know, two lap car comes out and I'm, I'm more fresh than them. Like that's kind of where that stuff would matter. Lack of experience running up front. Do you think that mentally affects you as far as taking a little bit of your conditioning away from you because you're maybe stressed or overthinking things? Yeah, I've, I've thought about it a lot. I feel like in the past for sure, mentally, I just didn't have the racecraft that they do. Like, they're really good at picking lines, mid-moto and stuff. I think now uh, I don't feel that way anymore. I've just, I've learned that too now that I'm older, like how the lines develop, how the race kind of goes. Now I'm just more on like being consistent lap after lap. Like I can go really, almost every race this year I qualified top three. So my speed, and, and that's within tens of seconds of them my speed was there, but they do it every lap. And that's just where I have to find out the consistency to do it every lap. Um, like they're really good at just lap after lap, clap, you know, clicking qualifying speed times to where me, I can only do that one lap and I might blow a berm the next lap, you know, like that stuff has to keep getting figured out, but I got better at that this year, which helped me mentally. Um, so it's not necessarily, it, it is there, but it, as I get older, it's getting better. Like I'm improving in that area to where I can start doing them lap after lap. Is it, is it mental growth? The yeah. Maturity? Yep. Now it's like, it's mentally, you know, I, I don't have any doubts that I can do it um, to where in the past, without a doubt, being brutally honest with you, I would tell you, ah, I, I, you know, I might be able to get a good start, but I don't know if I can do that to where now, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go for a top three start and I'm going to stay there, you know? So it's a mental, mental thing. That's a little bit different as you just get older and race Joel and Chad more and more. And I always say Joel and Chad, just because like the other guys, like I never, even though, even though I get beat by them still, like, I just never look at them like that. I always try to, to see who who's beating me. 
consistently and stuff. But like Chad, I mean, I had a really good battle with him at Ironman and it was kind of like, wow, like I belong here. You know, I belong to be battling Chad now, not, not Chad just passed me and beat me by 20 seconds. You know what I mean? Right. How old are you? I'm 22. Dude, you're a baby. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I feel like I'm getting, I, I wish I was 16 again. I'll tell you that. But <laughs> uh, yeah, Chad's first win, I think moto win was 22 years old, which is cool to think about. So I just, I always try to think that I, I got time, but at the same time, I'm trying to get there now, you know? How many years have you been pro? Uh, this year will be my fourth year, I think. Yeah, fourth year. So you started a, a young, yeah. young, yeah, like I, Max. Yeah, me, yeah, I went from pro-am to pro. So, yeah, I went pretty early for sure. Do you think that the education that you've gained was worth the early entry into the pro class? Or do you think you could have used another year of pro-am to, 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 to maybe develop some more skills or maturity? Nope. I, I, I love the, like I would, if I could go back, I would have went pro again for sure. Without a doubt. I learned way more getting eighth place than I did winning pro-am. Like, I, I, you know, I had a ton of people actually that I trust and everything telling me like, it's not a good idea, but I didn't care. And I would never go back and change that because I learned a lot my first year of pro and it's just way funner being a pro. Like it's just, <laughs> I mean, that's just being honest. It's like, it's cool. But yeah, I learned a lot more getting smoked by a lot of the guys, you know, like I, I rode behind all of them a ton. So it was good to to get in there early. I feel like that way, when you come 21, 22 years old, you have a little bit, or at least another year, you know, of time under your belt. I didn't realize you were so young, but that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. You have a lot of years. If you think, you know, Chad Weenan's 38 years old. Yeah. Okay. How many more years do you have if yeah. he's 38 and you can go till you're in your forties, uh, you know, John Natale at the, at the Wavos race. Yeah. 46. He's 46. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. You I hope so. Like I, it will kill me the day that Chad announces retirement, man. I, I really respect that guy a ton and I love lining up next to him. And I love the aspect he brings to racing because he's such a professional. He's very good for the sport. Like I, I hate, I just don't want that guy to quit, even though I know he's getting old and I know family and I just, I know how it goes, but man, I hope, I hope there's still uh years left. Exactly. That's uh, th that's what you have to, you think about, but you know, when he goes, it's going to be like the rest of the guys that have gone, you know, before him, they're going to go and uh, we're going to talk about them. And uh, within a couple of years, it'll be somebody else or within a year. Yeah. You know, I hear rumor and it's only rumor um, that Joel's not going to be around forever. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I don't know. I don't know how, I mean, I definitely know it's just 
I wish that like we had a really good financial situation with racing. I'm sure everyone does, but man, I hope that, I hope that we got some good years coming. Like it'd be nice to be able to know we have a good five years coming or something like that, you know? It would, it would, but you you know, there's no difference now to what it was years ago. Uh, We've had the, we've had the factories come in, you know, three different times, four different times into our sport. And they always leave us. They're, yeah. they're, they're not going to take care of the ATV people, uh, the ATV group. They don't, I don't think they have the same respect for it. Um, yeah. You know, they see, they don't see it as a, a necessary item. I believe if you put us on TV and gave us the same exposure that you gave the bikes, we'd be just as big, if not bigger. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Well, the general public would would more relate to an ATV than they would a motorcycle. Yeah. Because more of them are going to ride an ATV. Yeah. That's right. I know. That's, that's just how I see it, brother. Yep. Brandon, this has been an amazing conversation. Your level of knowledge in your training aspect and the things that you're doing is far beyond your years. And and I was, I'm really taken back by that. I wasn't prepared for, for this portion of the conversation. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I just, a lot, I mean, it might sound pretty nerdy and kind of over the top, but man, that's, that's my personality. Like I, I love being serious about stuff. Like, it's it's kind of funny. Like I'm not, I'm just not a partier, not like a, nothing like that. I love to be serious about stuff. So that's why this conversation kind of, you saw like I'm, I get into the, the littlest details possible, you know? That's what's going to make you a champion. That's a, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to be cocky, but I do feel that's the truest statement. Like there's got to be, there's got to be, uh, yeah, I'm not a cocky guy, but you know what I mean. Well, I agree with the statement. You you look at it this way: to win a championship is a feat. Yeah. So any guy that's went out and won one, you have to respect that guy completely. Even though he only won one, it yeah. took so much to get there. Yeah. And then you look at a guy like Chad that's won eight and Joel that's won three. And there's other guys that have won two or three and Gary Denton won eight. And and we're just talking about motocross. Cause then you can go over to the woods and you could talk about all those guys that have won multiple championships. You're headed down the road to win. You just have to stay focused. And, and, you know, when you take your lumps, take your lumps and, and use them as education and move on. Yeah. Yeah. When I started the stuff, like it, I was clearly, I was the kid that was like, I do not ever want to be average with this. Like I want to, I want to have my names in the magazines. You know, I want to be the guy that's like the Chad Weenan. I want to be the guy that's in the magazine as a champion. And that's always been me since I was four years old. Like, so I, you know, getting third place is not, it's just not where I'm, I feel like I'm going to end, you know, I'm not happy with ending third. So hopefully racing sticks around and hopefully 
we, we see what happens, I guess. We'll be racing something, even if we ain't racing quads. Yeah. Lawnmower. Right. <laughs> there you go. Whatever, man. Whatever it is. Yep. We got turtles out there. We're racing to put a number on it. And, yep. you know, um, I'll be watching. And, you know, I, I text often and, you know, ask how things are going. So we'll be, uh, we'll be in touch with you uh, because I always want to know what's going on. If you have anything that you want to put out or that you need the, the fans to see or hear about, reach out to us. We'll be more than glad to get it out there for you. Yeah, I will, man. I, I appreciate you. And uh, thanks for coming on ATV Talk. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. If you're in need of a consultation for your current racing program, a custom ATV, or an industry guest speaker, I have the company for you. Duncan Technologies International Inc. offers host, MC, and guest speaking services at events, builds custom ATVs for recreational riding or racing around the world, and they offer consulting services for professional teams or individual racers. Send inquiries to Duncan Tech International at gmail.com or call 619-716-1532 for more information. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, don't forget to share us with your family and friends. The podcast is available on all streaming platforms and you can find us on social media as ATV Talk Podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter. 